Hello, everyone. Welcome back to First Gen Friends, where I interview first generation Americans and share their unique, beautiful stories of how their parents got to this country and the opportunities they've been able to unlock because of their sacrifices. In this episode, I interview another Colombian American who grew up in Jackson Heights, and he shares his parents' journey to the U.S., what it was like growing up in Queens, and how he landed his dream job as a senior producer and editor at NBC Universal. It's a pretty cool story. This is Juan. Juan, welcome to the First Gen Friends podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. But I love to understand the beginning of everyone's story, and that starts with our parents. So I like to start by asking, where are your parents from, and where did you grow up? So my parents both are from Colombia, uh, specifically Medellin. Um, they met there, became a couple there, and I was born in Medellin and came here when I was five. My parents didn't come together, which I know, I think... You've probably heard this a lot since you do this podcast and interview different people. Um, my dad came first, kind of established, you know, somewhere for my mom and me to come and all that good stuff. But I didn't know like the intricacies until I got much older of like how, you know, when you're a kid, you just do what you're told, you follow. My way in was me and my mom together, flew to Mexico, and then we crossed the border. Um, you know, not legally, you know, like papers weren't, you know, like, you know how it was back then. So like, but you know, my dad had worked like six months here, six, nine months and paid, you know, had made all the arrangements and it was relatively, um, you know, uneventful. I think I slept the entire way from, I think we crossed in Cali. So I think I like fell, they were like prepping me like, if they ask you, this is your name. This is why you're coming. This person's your dad. And obviously your mom is your mom. And I just remember, you know, I like, they prepped me for like this whole border, you know, interrogation. And I just slept through the whole thing. And I just remember the first thing I remember was waking up and seeing the Hollywood sign at, at some point we were driving into LA. And then from LA, we flew domestic to New York. And then I saw my dad again. Later on, I realized my dad's way was uh whole like different story like movie stuff like you know like crossing through the river and in the desert and all that crazy stuff he saw like a lot of crazy shit that i'm sure like we've all heard the different stories we've seen the movies the documentaries um but yeah then we were reunited in new york and that's how we all got here um between you know my parents and me i'm an only child so it was literally just us three living here um, but yeah, that's where they're from and that's how we got here. Wow. So your dad truly risked his life rather to get over. I never like, I know, you know, I know the bullet points and, but I've never asked specifically, you know, um, but with my dad, it was, it's a different situation. Cause you know, I think most people come here and risk their lives and all that for a better life. But I'd be lying if I said like that our life in Colombia was like a struggle. You know, my parents both had, you know, they, they, they had jobs. They had, I think they had just bought a house like when I was, you know, a little younger than when I came. Um, they weren't exactly like escaping like a bad, you know, don't get me wrong. Like Colombia also wasn't like, and again, we've seen the movies, the documentary, yeah. the Netflix series. I don't need to go into any yeah. of that. 
but it also wasn't like you know a utopia out there right but they they had established themselves in a nice little life and you know they had jobs it's just that my dad had family who had come here and they you know i want to say they sold them on because like you know obviously things were uh, you know were better but my dad's family was just like man this place like if you work hard you make money like I'm already, I already have a job. We have an apartment. Everything is so clean. You know what I'm saying? Like, but this is the yeah. difference. I'm, you know, they sold it to my dad, which the sell job must have been so good that, you know, he picked up, you know, his wife and his kids to go there, at, even though they had a house and they both had jobs, you know, in Medellin in Colombia. So, um, it, you know, like our story is like not as like, um, you know, like, I a lot of my friends weren't running away from anything. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my friends' parents, like you know, they they were either impoverished or people had passed away and they had nothing, and like they just chased that dream, like a lot of people do. Um, so ours was not that extreme. It was just like you know, looking for a better life for sure, but you know, it wasn't um, a desperate situation basically. So we ended yeah. up where most or a lot of Colombians end up, which is in Jackson Heights, Queens which is, you know, if you're Colombian. I had a feeling you were going to say yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> if you're Colombian and you either lived in New York, visited New York, you know Jackson Heights is, like, a very, very popular um, area for Colombians. And that's where I grew up. I grew up in Jackson Heights, Queens, for the better part of my childhood and my adolescence. You know, like, my parents eventually got divorced uh, when I was nine. So, but for the most part, I grew up in Jackson Heights. And then when my parents got divorced, my mom remarried and I went to live with her in Flushing. And if anybody's from New York, Flushing is as concentrated population there is of Colombians in Jackson Heights. If you know Flushing, Flushing is South Asian, Asian, you yeah. know, some Japanese, right? You know, Chinese, Korean, like that's basically, you know, uh, Flushing. So, um, but after a few years of that, I moved back with my dad to Jackson Heights and, you know, that area. So I basically grew up in Jackson Heights and I lived there as an adult up until I came to live where I live now. Was your upbringing a lot of, I guess, the melting pot of New York or did were you mostly surrounded by your own culture? Definitely a melting pot. And that's what Queens as a borough is known for, as just being like this melting pot of different nationalities and cultures. And it's the truth. Like, while, yes, like there's Colombian restaurants, Colombian bakeries, um, Colombian, you know, preschools and all that good stuff. Jackson Heights, like, so for example, I grew up with, you know, most of my friends were like two, two, three, four of my friends were Colombians. But one of my best friends was Polish. You know, I had a lot of friends because I played basketball a lot. A lot of my friends were, were African-American. You know, a lot of friends were Salvadorian, Ecuadorian, uh, Mexican. Like, yeah. Jackson Heights was is definitely very, very mixed. But then when you go to the public school system, everyone from the different adjacent neighborhoods, like Elmhurst, Corona, um, Woodside, right? Like, at, you know, that whole yeah. area is just, you think of it and it's people probably live there, right? So all I saw was people like me around me. So yeah. uh, it definitely, um, it was a comfort zone because obviously you hear different Spanish, you know, our Colombian Spanish, Mexican Spanish, uh, Ecuadorian Spanish, like it's the same language, but a lot of things are very different. And I'm sure most Hispanic people know this, but like, that's kind of like uh, the extent of the differences 
you know, aside from like my Polish friends who his family spoke Polish and <laughs> yeah. I felt comfortable where I was and different a little bit, but not where I'm just like, holy crap, like I feel really isolated right now. So I like, think that wasn't the case. What was the language barrier like for you? So, uh, so my family is very like when everyone came here, my dad's, my uncles, my grandmother, they're very like, we're here, we got to learn the language, we got to learn the system, like adapt and like, you know, we need to like, you know, uh, rev up. So when I came, I remember, I don't remember because I was too young, but my dad and my mom tell me the story that, you know, I would cry and be like, Tu nunca voy a aprender inglés. And I would cry and, you know, they're like, oh, you're going to go to school, you'll learn. And I was like, no, I don't want to learn it. Like I would cry about learning English. And then my dad's like, dude, a week later, you were coming home from school and you were just talking nothing but English. Like it, you <laughs> picked it up so fast. And I think one of the reasons was A, the public school, I went to PS89. Um, the public school system has bilingual classes. So they put me in like a second grade class where the teacher was bilingual, where they teach you in English and Spanish. Um, so that helped a lot. But also as a kid, I just watched so much TV. Like I was watching cartoons and TV shows that between that and school, I picked it up super quick. And yeah, my parents were like, you, like, they were they were shocked of how quick I picked it up. They they always tell me, um, but I feel like that's pretty common with you know us first gen kids when we came here. Even though all we knew was Spanish, but you know like I would see. I remember my parents were like with the books. You know they were like they always had the book with them to to translate for themselves, and um, they would try to watch what I was watching in English. And then once I established myself as speaking English, they would always ask me. ¿Cómo se dice esto? You know, uh, ¿qué quiere decir esto? Y porque esto no, you know, like, you know, they tell you something and you'd be like, that's not how you say it. They'd be like, all right, tell me why and how I should say it, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, I don't know if you remember, like, uh, do you remember the commercials of Inglés Sin Barreras? Which is like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, you know, I think my parents had borrowed, like, a set of that. Um, so it wasn't tough because I had everyone around me, my family, tell, you know, like, learning English and spoke as much as they could. We call it te defienden. Like you could defend yourself. So if somebody came up to you and asked you something in English, they knew kind of at least to say, I don't speak English, right? They knew how to say that or they knew how to say they like the pronouns, right? Like the nouns and stuff. Um, so I didn't see it as like a hurdle ever because my family, yeah. albeit they all have accents. Um, my, my older family, when they speak English, they speak English and you can understand. They just have that, you know, uh, Spanglish accent, right? Where you, you obviously know they're from somewhere, but they speak the language. I know you brought this up before about not feeling different when you were younger and everyone was kind of similar to you. Do you remember at what point in your life you did feel like you were not like everyone else around you, given that you were raised in this melting pot of people that were all diverse? Yeah. So, okay. So that, you know, there's like different instances I could think of, right? Uh, yeah. When I lived in Flushing, right? I um, I lived in a building where it was like 90% like South Asian, Indian, okay. Bangladesh, Pakistan, right? Um, and I would hang out with those kids because, you know, like you, you hang around with your neighborhood kids and they're all speaking their language to each other. And I'm just like, well, shit, I'm the only Hispanic in this like crew of like kids here. So, you know, that's like one moment I could recall. Where I'm just like, okay, well, like, y'all know each other and but y'all speak the same language. And I'm over here like, yeah, I don't, 
I, I feel isolated a little bit. Um, but, you know, instances, not where, like, as a whole, my life felt a little bit isolated, right? It wasn't until I was a little older, um, kind of, like, until, so I met, my wife is from Long Island, and my, my wife is white. When I started dating my wife and coming into Long Island, that was a different world for me, right? Because, you know, I'm in deep Suffolk County, and you're from Long Island, so you know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I've about. dealt with this since birth. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm going to Suffolk County, you know this this town called Santa Reach uh and you know I'm starting to hang out with that my then girlfriend and we're going to Walmart a never been to a Walmart b I've never been in that setting before and I'm a 18 year old kid from Queens I'm wearing my fitteds my jerseys my Jordans my baggy pants my platinum chain that is faker than anything you know uh, imaginable you yeah you just came out of a rap video basically. yeah exactly yeah because i'm like a teenager impressionable yeah. and like yeah yeah i'm trying to dress like puffy and fabulous and all you know all the rappers yeah. on tv and for the first time i i'm noticing that i'm sticking out because no one for the most part right no one's dressed like me no one looks like me and i'm like telling jess my wife and i'm just like why are people like staring at me? Like, I feel like I'm the center of attention. I've never felt that way. And she's like, oh, like, you know, I guess like she didn't think much of it, but like, uh, she was just like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, like, I do feel like I'm super out of place here. Um, and that's like the first time I could identify being like, okay, I'm in a different space. Right. And then when I would go to her house and meet her brother's friends, you know, like, I definitely felt like the outsider, like, you know, the Queens guy, the city kid in the suburbs, um, because it was just not only a different culture, but um, just a different way of thinking and the way of life. And it was so new to me because of I grew up with, you know. So to answer your question, yeah, I think that's when I really for the first time felt like, holy shit, this is not um, I don't feel like I'm in my comfort zone anymore. Yeah, you know, something interesting you just said that makes me think, because I, my husband's white as well, that I also feel people are looking at us. I don't know if it's like my insecurity or if people are actually looking at us, but he doesn't see it. So it's funny you said your wife didn't notice it. Because I'm like, is it just us because we're the ones that's different? Or like, is it, are people really staring because we're an interracial couple, right? Um so that's always going to be a question mark to me because it might just be in my head because of what I'm used to. So it's interesting. What are your yeah. thoughts? So I'm, yeah, I, I, I think I just felt it. And I agree because you know, like any other way, when she would come out here, there's no white people in Jackson Heights for the most part. <laughs> Not back then. Now, well, now, now, now yeah. it's a different story, right? <laughs> but back then, um, it was just starting to get gentrified, let's be honest. Like that's what yeah, it that's yeah. what it is, right? Um, but I was like I wasn't bringing her and going to like those areas of gentrification. I was taking her to like not the hood cuz it, it's not that. I don't want to, you know, say it's the hood, but you know, the Jackson Heights where I grew the up culture. which is not the hood, but it's not where the gentrification is happening, you know, like don't, don't get me don't get me wrong the authentic and, part of yeah that. yeah yeah where you know we're like our version of shit went down right so yeah. she, I'm, I'm walking her around this area and she's the only white girl in that setting so and i know for a fact that for her it was different because she you know we're two different worlds right so she'd be like 
I was just, when she's like, yo, I feel like, and I'm like, oh no, you are 100% correct. Everybody is looking at you right now because you, <laughs> everyone's like, who is this white girl you're bringing to like our circle, to like our stoop, right? To like, yeah. you know, uh, the back of the building, like, you know, like the little plazas, big, you know, the buildings, yeah, yeah, yeah. to the basketball court, like I was taking her to the park and stuff and everybody's like, yo, who, you know, and it's interesting because I had friends who were white because like, you know, one of my best friends to this day is Polish, right? I also had a lot of Eastern European friends who were from like Macedonia and, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on, not Croatia, Yugoslavia. And they're white, but they grew up with us in that setting. So like, we never like always thought of them as white, right? So like, they're like, who's the white girl? And then you're just like, oh yeah, that's my girl. But like thinking about it now, just like, Fuck you mean was a white girl? Y'all are, y'all are from fucking Europe, y'all are white too. But like, you know, anyone who's grown up like us like kind of understands what, what I mean. Um, but yeah. to answer your question, um, yeah, I don't think she probably noticed it because it's I don't think those antennas are up. I just I think us, our antennas are always up when we're in that setting. So my parents moved to Florida, going back to where you find where you see yourself stand out. Being from New York and going to the Floridas, I mean, in the early 2000s, right, uh, late 90s, going to the Floridas of the world, going to, like, the Kentuckys, the Tennessees of the world as a New Yorker, oh, man, that's where also, like, you know, in my work life, that's where I started also being like, oh, shit, I am not, again, my comfort zone, I am not there anymore. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your work life. Tell us what you do and how you got in. How you got started sure so i am a producer editor uh senior producer editor uh at nbc universal uh, specifically i work on sci-fi and oxygen on the marketing team cutting promos and trailers and uh, that type of thing the way i got into it is interesting so i never ever thought as a kid as a teenager i never had the only aspiration I ever had was to be in the NBA because I played basketball a lot growing up, organizing in school. That was my dream until um, Hispanic folks could relate to this. So your parents kind of put that reality in your head real quick. You know what I mean? Like, and I will never forget conversation with my dad. And he's like, entonces, ¿de qué vas a you're, you're a junior. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm playing basketball. What are you talking about? I'm on the team. And you've seen me. You've taken me to the games. You've paid for the clinics. Like, I'm playing ball. And, you know, as Hispanics tend to do, is just blunt and just hit you with that reality. He was like, you're not tall and you're not, like, I was good, but, like, he was right. He's like, you're not tall and you're not as athletic as you think you are. And, and you know, in New York, which is, like, this, like, insane, like, the talent of basketball in New York is insane. And I think at my age, you don't really think about that. You just think like, no, there's a clear way to get an NBA. You play high school, you go to college, you get, you know, you get drafted and then boom, done. Right. Um, But my dad just in one failed swoop was just like, no, you're not doing that. You need to be realistic about your life. And for some reason, like, I was like, no, you're wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go take a thousand jump shots. And I was just like, damn he's right i'm not i'm not gonna be in the nba and then i quit my team like the following week and i got a job I wow working. yeah in, like, in as a junior in high, in school? high school yeah yeah i was just like all right i, I guess like yeah he's right i'm not this isn't gonna happen right um and then yeah i, I, I quit the team 
Um, and then I just got like my first job at like a, a factory store for pots and like kitchenware called Corning Revere. Like that's that was my first job. And still I was like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. Right. And I graduated high school and my parents, my entire life was a studio, studio, studio. You got to go to school, you got to get an education and you got to be a professional. And again, like, I don't know if it was just me or at that age, like you, I was never thinking like of what I'm going to do. My biggest thing is like, where am I playing or whose house am I chilling at? Or like, that was just my mindset back then. I never thought about my future like that. Um, I just knew my parents were always on me about school, school, school. Um, looking back at it now, I wish I would have took school more seriously, but I ended up just like going to college in Brooklyn and city tech and my major, I was, you know, like I just went to appease them because they, you know, they were like, you have to go to school. And if you're going to work and not go to school, you're paying us rent. And I'm like, well, I'm not paying you rent. So <laughs> that's literally what happened with me too. Like, yeah, like you know, yeah, yeah. like you're gonna have to like start contributing financially if you don't want to yeah. go to school, you know. And as a parent now, I see like that was their way of like pushing, pushing me, like go to school. Me. So I was like, fine, I'll go to school. I'll go for and I literally I'm looking at the majors for uh New York City Tech, and I'm like, telecommunications, that that's that how bad could that be, right? Sign up, I start going to school for telecommunication. I'm falling asleep because it's like it's literally telling you how cable works, like to install cable and satellite and just how how that. And I was like, all right, this is not what I want to do. So I ended up failing. Like I just I didn't show up to classes. I didn't take it serious, and I failed out. And then and that's when my parents were like, all right, you we're not. Usted no va a ser un vago. Vago meaning like you're not going to be a freeloader where you're not going to school and you're barely going to work. Um, and they kept pressuring me, but I just started working like, you know, more full time. Um, but slowly, but surely I started thinking like, all right, I need to get my shit together. Um, and working at, so like I had a transition from that store. I was working at Macy's now at, you know, in the stock, in the stock, uh, in the stock rooms and doing all that stuff. And then waking up to go to Macy's after a bit, you're just like, yo, what, what am I doing? And you start waking up with that, oh, God, I got to, you know. So after a while, I started thinking, like, this isn't my life. Like, this isn't. Yeah, I started being like, yo, this isn't, this isn't for me. Like, I don't want to wake up with this feeling of dread of having to go work at this place. I want to wake up wanting to go to this place, right? You know? And then at some point, I realized and I told my parents, I'm like, all right, I know what I want to do. I want to wake up and love where I'm going or just be motivated to go where I'm going and not dreading. Right. And I came to the conclusion, like, I love TV. I love movies. Um, so I'm going to go for film and TV. And I had to sell, I had to sell my ass off to them, but I think they were just glad that I was speaking seriously about going to school and I had done my research and career as much as I could at the time. Um, so they were like, cool. Um, that's what you want to do. Find a school, yada, yada, yada. I found um, Catherine Gibbs, which is a throwback to people like that doesn't exist anymore. But it was one of those, like, if you're watching Channel 11 at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, it's like, what are you doing with your life? Why don't you, you know, like those, that, those trade <laughs> schools, right? Um, but yeah. yeah, that's how I got into, I went to school for it. And my mom, who became a dental hygienist, because when she came here, 
she kind of had the same experience. She had like a factory job and a dental assistant job. And she's like, all right, I need a real job. And she went to college, like in her thirties, graduated. She became, she became an unhygienist. She, she basically had a patient who worked, who was a PA at VH1. And my mom was like, Hispanic moms, man, they never, yep, I didn't know no, where this is going. Right? They have no shame. They have no like, you know, reservations. She was like, one of my patients works at VH1. I'm like, oh, I know VH1. I watched their show. She's like, great, because I talked to her, and here's the information about internships. This is who you email, call. This is his name. This is what you do. And I need an internship to finish, you know, my, yeah. my college. And I was like, holy crap! Like, damn! Like, she did. She did a lot of that networking work for me, and it worked. I got into VH1 as an intern. I interned there. I got hired as a PA. I got promoted as an AP segment producer, and then I left. They, you know, did some production company jobs, you know, here and there. Worked at Fuse, the music network, as a segment producer, editor, and shooter, and then ended up in NBC. And then that's how, like, you know, I like to attribute that to my mom because, like, I wasn't, I didn't know the first thing. Where do I go to hustle? Like, do I go to like TRL and then just start asking like people like? If I could talk to Carson Daly about getting a job at MTV, like, I didn't know how that worked, right? Um, yeah. A lot of my classmates in school who were going for the same thing had a, had a harder time, right? Because, like, the internet wasn't, like, as... There was no LinkedIn. Mm-mm. I couldn't DM somebody who I saw worked in the industry. Like, it you was a lot... look at the white pages. Yeah, <laughs> And then exactly. hope that it wasn't outdated. Exactly. So, like, by the grace, you know, like, fortunately, my mom, A... My mom loves having conversations with people and asking them what they do and all that stuff. Like, I I honestly, I owe it to my mom because, like, who knows? If she would have never got me that internship, I would have maybe not made it and would be somewhere else. Who knows? But that's how I got where where I am. My mom, I use my mom. It's My mom <laughs> lived here and moved to Florida. And I still to this day because, like, my mom had, like, an agenda, like a, an agenda she would carry with numbers of everyone she ever met in different forms of like industry or whatever so man my mom is like even she moved to florida in like 2005 man, and i still like in florida i'm like mom i'm looking for somebody who does this do you, in new york mind you and she'd be like ah si sí, yo conozco a la señora que yo conocí hace rato pero todavía tengo el número yo la llamo y le dejo saber que usted la you know like i still use her because my mom's always been incredibly resourceful like to you know to this yeah. day and it, that's like a that's a talent like not not a lot of not a lot of people have that right and you know when I had my kids she was the one who like brokered me getting her into a Colombian daycare slash kindergarten and found nannies for my kid like my mom was like my my broker and agent for like a lot of things you know and I think that comes with that mentality the immigrant mentality like she you know the hustle like when her and my dad like you know, I mean, between her and my dad was different hustles, but she just hustled, like, networking no matter what. Like, no matter what you did, she was like, that might help me at some point. Yeah. So I want to take your name yeah. and your number. And lo and behold, like, that's, you know, I owe it to her where I am. Yeah. Uh, so at first, I never, again, like, I've, for better or for worse, I kind of have tunnel vision, you know. Um And I've I had a kid early, so, like, my attention was always to make sure my kid was alive basically you know roof over her head food on the table right i never thought about impact or any of that type of stuff until a couple of years ago so before i was on the marketing team that i am now i was on 
uh, we called it the Sci-Fi Wire team, and we were just creating content on YouTube, nerdy content, right? You know, Marvel stuff and video game stuff and comics and all that stuff, which is, I'm a huge, I don't know if you could notice, but like all my turtle figures are here. I have Funko Pops over here you can't see. I have like old school video game system. Like I'm a giant, giant nerd. That was my dream job, right? I, you know, like I was creating content about everything that I love. And I had this show, right, that called Everything You Didn't Know that I produced and, you know, directed and eventually ended up hosting. And that show was like deep dives of old school cartoons, video games, movies, like from the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And it was our most successful YouTube show, right? Like the, the views were, were very good. The, the interactions were very good. But I was doing that show as a fan for fans, right? But I never thought about influence, right? Here and there, I would connect memories I had of certain things that I felt were very unique as a Hispanic child watching these shows, right? And I would implement that into the scripts and into the hosting. But it wasn't until, you know, the show got canceled because, you know, as I'm sure you know, and we all know, like corporations change and money isn't being made. And so we had to shift focus at, but you know, the, the show was canceled. That was my baby for like three years. That was like the height of like, you know, like I said, dream job. And it's when it ended that I started getting DMS uh, from people, not only like, Hey, what happened to the show? We missed the show, but I started getting DMS from other Hispanic people being like, dude, I'm so sorry that the show's over, but like, I need to tell you how important it was for me as a Hispanic to see another Hispanic in your position talking about these things that I love and seeing myself in you. Cause like, I think now it's a lot better, but like back then a lot of that content was being hosted, you know, mostly by white folks and, and stuff like that. And even African-Americans. Right. But never Hispanic. I feel like we're like the, we're always like the person in the room that every forget everybody forgets is in the room where you're just like, oh shit, oh yeah, you are here. Holy crap, how did I forget you? You know, that kind of thing. Where like there's so much and rightfully so going on in on in different like social, you know, um subjects where like it's you know black, white, or you know, Asian and this, this and that. And I feel like we're the ones that are like, like we're still here, but we're not as loud as we kind of should be sometimes, right? And as vocal and as present. And that was a situation where somebody was like, dude, like I never, I've never seen a Hispanic dude like running a show at sci-fi, you know, part of a conglomerate about all those things that I love. And I was like, I read that DM and I was like, holy shit. I never thought about that. And it made me feel proud of the work I did, but also proud that I was able to be that for somebody because I never tried to be. I never was like, I got to make sure I squeeze in a Hispanic little thing, right? I did it if it made sense for the subject matter. And that's when I was like, holy crap, that's like the icing on the cake. Since then now, I see a lot of content creators that are in that space that are Hispanic and I love it. And like Pedro Pascal is like the biggest star and seeing him in all this shit is like incredible because I didn't have that as a kid. Like, you know, like, I'm sure you can identify, like, what are we, Noelas? That's where we saw our our people in big, major, you know what I mean? 
you know, like there was some Hispanic. But even those, but even the women in novelas were like white, right? Like they were British yes. and white. And yes. I was like, I want that, you know? Yeah. And there wasn't like, you know, I mean, there was plenty of actors uh, that were Hispanic, but not like leading, leading shows, leading movies. Like, you know what I mean? And I always tell people, like, I have conversations, you know, I always told my dad when I got that DM, I told my dad, I'm like, you know, he was super proud. And I was like, dude, like, I feel so bad because like, you didn't have anybody. You, a Hispanic growing up and even in Colombia, but even here, I'm like, dude, like, who was your fuck? Like, who was your favorite superhero? He's like, the Zorro, because I was like the only one I could ever think about that was like anywhere near Hispanic, right? Because like, we try to identify with these things. And that was like, getting that DM was I, I still have it saved. Um, I want to frame it just because I, I feel bad that I never realized before, but it felt so cool to get that sentiment from somebody, especially when you never think about it. So that that's the moment I realized like, oh shit, yeah, like a lot of these things do matter. And now I'm a lot more conscious of it. Like that's why like the whole Pedro Pascal thing is a big deal to me now because I'm just like, and you know, um, oh man, his name escapes me. Uh, Diego, I think Diego uh, Luna from you know he's like a Star Wars guy. You know, yeah. uh, Oscar Isaac. Like now it's like becoming you know now it's just like yes, like yo, we're here finally. I'm seeing you know them in prominent roles and like I remember like John Leguizamo since I was a kid has been such a huge part of like my um, my inspiration because like I knew he was Colombian. The one thing about us Colombians, and I, I don't think it's just us, like we know when our people are doing big things because like it's like in the news. So yeah, we've got it. was like if, ever since she was hosting like that show, you know, back in the day, uh, I forgot the name, I think it was called, but like she was like a co-host, right? And but it was like a big deal. Everybody was like, that's Colombiana, right? Or you know, mm-hmm. Shakira, right? Oh, she's ours, she's Colombian. Like, we're so proud when someone of our own makes it into like mainstream you know now it's like jay balvin carol g like now we have a good amount of people but it was such a big deal but in the 90s john link was almost kind of it you know um so i feel like the pedro pascals and you know diego lunas and you know oscar, oscar isaac they're kind of like i think like was almost kind of I'm, I'm on a tangent because like i've been thinking about this like recently watching last of us but it's the truth like I think that we're in such a great place right now as Hispanics watching ourselves and like big budget, you know, big screen stuff. But like the other level to that is it's now seeing their success, a a young first generation Hispanic person could use that as an example when they want to pursue a dream in the arts, right? Because again, you know, immigrant parents of our parents' generations were very realistic. If you were like, I want to be a painter or a photographer, they'd be like, what are you talking about? You need to go work and be a professional and make money and provide for your family. Like those are pipe dreams, right? And as a parent now, I see where they're coming from, right? Now seeing these people, it's like, okay, it's, it's viable, you know, like, okay, let me see if we support this dream you have, you could probably make it. You know, like, I tell this story a lot, but, like, my parents, I played so many video games growing up and watched so much TV. My parents were like, vaya fuera, lea un libro. Like, do something else besides this stuff, right? And they would always tell me that, tell me that. And then, you know, flash forward 20-something years later, I'm covering Comic-Cons, right? I'm making content about video games, about TV. I'm talking to, you know, nerds at Comic-Con hosting um, stuff, producing stuff. And my mom, I remember 
my mom was watching uh i was doing like an e3 thing a video game convention she was watching it and she's laughing i'm just like what are you laughing at she's like i used to tell you to get off that damn nintendo stop watching tv and here you are making a living out of what i told you to get off like she was like like she you know and she's laughing and then we're both laughing and i'm just like holy shit you're right you know and i don't think today it might necessarily be as rigid as it was back then i think nowadays it's like you know if somebody's like yo i want to be like pedro pascal you're like all right well you have that example right so at least that's there when you don't have those examples it's i think it's a lot easier for people to kind of you know, dispel that and be like, no, 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 just be realistic. I think it's also exactly what you said before. They're immigrant parents. They need to be realistic. I didn't come to this country so that you can go become a painter and a photographer and make pennies and struggle when I struggle this hard to give you a better life. Yeah, it's interesting too, because like, you never think about the dreams your parents gave up, you know, because like, right. Before come, my dad played soccer for um, one of the uh, the teams in Colombia. You know, Colombia has a soccer league, and he played on the sub seventeen team for Medellin, right? And he basically stopped doing that because he had to support me because I was born when you know, and once once I was born, he uh, his dream was to play soccer, right? And then he decided to stop playing soccer and go to school for the architectural, like um, you know, back then topography. It's, it's like a long, it, you know, it could be, thankfully it's not, but like he gave up his dream. I had my NBA dream and I think that helped him be like, dude, like, no. And, but you're right. Like now we, to our kids, like, look, I tell my kid all the time, like, I just want you to be happy. You know, I'm, that's, that's my main, a professional, make a living and just be happy. However that looks, um, but I'll be realistic when I have to. And we'll be supportive. And I, yes, 100% yeah. be supportive, but I will be realistic like my parents were in, you know, depending on the situation. Also, a lot of the struggles we have as Hispanics are not exclusive to like us, right? And I, and I think that goes for all the cultures where like my wife didn't grow up with like, you know, the grand thing is like, oh, white privilege and, you know, and, and that exists. But it's like, they got money and like, yo, you're from the burbs and this and that. I bet you, you that your daddy did this, you my wife's family struggled too, man. They were, you know, they 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 were on the poverty yeah. like marginal line, and they didn't grow up with everything. She had three brothers. Like, their life was not easy by any extent, and that's one of the things I did learn. Aside from our cultural differences, like us being poor immigrants is not very away from being poor white folks who live in trailers, who live in you know like small house. Like, it's not they're different worlds, but yeah. it's in the same you know within the same realm and i think that's something that people who don't either date or marry outside their race understand and you kind of can keep living your life thinking your struggle is exclusive but it's not yeah when you think about your life now and everything that you have and where you ended up and kind of your journey as a first generation what advice would you give to your younger self knowing everything that you know now apply I, I i wish i would apply myself more in school and i say that because i have a kid she's 15 and she's a phenomenal student and i see the doors that are opening to her because of this right and no get me wrong i am incredibly grateful of where i am i'm super happy of where i am but i didn't take school seriously 
And my parents, as much as they told me school, 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 the most they could really do was you do your homework. Are you ready for school tomorrow? Because they had like 18 hour days, you know, to work, right? They were trying to make it. So I just wish I would have applied myself more in school um, because every single parent teacher night was Juan is very smart. Juan has so much potential, but he just does like the minimum or like just, you know, get me wrong. I lettered in fucking lunch, gym, like the, like, you know, like gym, oh, nineties, right? Like, but for the most part, like I always knowingly, right. I was just like, I just never had that inclination for academics. And now I, I wish, I wish I did. That is the advice I would give myself. Like maybe don't go to the park today and like study to get a better score on these regions. Right. Um, I just always, always just kind of brush academics off and I wish I would have taken it a lot more serious.